0: Aware Now, the official podcast for causes presented by Awareness Ties. Aware Now is rated O for original and organic content to raise awareness for the causes we're all tied to through personal stories and exclusive interviews. Tune in as we raise awareness a story at a time about topics that aren't always easy to talk about through conversations that are sometimes hard to have. Together, we are Aware Now. This is The Unextinguishable Flame by Olivia Cade, from Tragic Hilarity, her exclusive column in Aware Now magazine. This is found in the Vision Edition.
1: The Unextinguishable Flame by Olivia Cade. Trigger warning, suicide, suicidal ideations, and self-harm. Want to clear a room? Talk about suicide. Want to please a room? Make a joke. Want to confuse a room? Make a joke about suicide. As of 2019, I had a couple of fun letter combinations that specified my brand of crazy. You didn't ask, but here they are. ADHD, GAD, MDD. An attempt to neatly package the type of suffering I endured and the duration of said suffering. I've had many people in my life call me crazy, use that word to invalidate, wound, and belittle me, but I sure showed them Crazy people don't get full rides to fancy New York colleges. Crazy people don't date and have friends. And crazy people definitely don't live independently and pay for their own apartments. No, no. Crazy people end up in institutions where they get lobotomized a la Cuckoo's Nest. Right? And that was definitely not me. The thing is, The harder you try to not be crazy, the crazier you become. It's like this weird paradox I found out about. I thought that if other people didn't perceive me as insane, then I was a-okay and super stable. It's like the tree falling in the forest situation, except I'm the tree and the tree is on fire and all the other trees are laughing at my tree self's jokes about being on fire. Instead of reaching out and being honest about how miserable I was, I secretly attended AA meetings, went to therapy, and eventually got on medication, all while never actually addressing or accepting the severity of the issue. Mama needed the big guns, not just weekly therapy, a low dose of Lexapro, and a seemingly high-functioning facade, but I didn't know that yet. In August of 2019, after six months of worsening and hidden suicidal ideations, The other shoe finally dropped. I showed up to my primary care doctor's office looking like I had gotten the absolute shit beaten out of me on the subway platform. Side note, no, I didn't have a psychiatrist, I only had a primary care doctor, she was lovely, but I think she was always hoping I had a cute little yeast infection instead of rampant suicidal thoughts. But the US mental healthcare system hates poor people and I didn't have the mental capabilities at 23 to learn the ins and outs of healthcare coverage policy. But we'll get into that another time. After some casual conversation, she asked me what I wanted to discuss. I remember my throat closing in panic as I realized I was about to ruin this poor woman's day, my high functioning facade, and her perception of me as the fun patient. I made a joke to warm up the crowd. We both laughed and I slipped in this very casual sentence. Um, The suicidal thoughts are getting bad and I am very worried. Now I can read a room and let me tell you the crowd was not having a good time. I thought I was suicidal before, but in the silence that followed I have never wanted to throw myself through a window so badly. She put down her daisy-adorned clipboard, along with a prescription for Monistat, and looked at me with eyes that screamed, I am so out of my depth here. Please, dear God, show me the way. You could tell we were both at a loss. Apparently, primary care doctors are for the -the run-of-the-mill, down in the numbs, worried-about-work kind of mentally ill, and not the the is-this-train-going-fast-enough-to-get-the-job-done kind. She prescribed me Welbutrin on top of the Lexapro I was already taking. Welbutrin is an upper. It jolts you up. It's for the immobile, lethargic depressives. She hoped, I guess, it would push me violently out of this depression spiral. Quite the opposite, actually. Instead, I finally had the energy to go through with what depression was proposing. I panicked. Thankfully, the jolt also brought back the slightest bit of anxiety, and she swooped in and finally called home. I had seen the impatient psychiatric centers in New York. I knew I wouldn't get what I needed, and I needed this to work. I boarded a plane home to Arizona the next day. I'm gonna be honest, I've never understood the phrase, home is where the heart is. I'd like to personally offer a revision. Home is where the trauma is. I avoid my hometown like the plague, and my family knows this, so, Imagine the shock when I suddenly showed up, suitcase in hand. Of course, they had no idea why I was actually coming home. All my mother knew was that I desperately needed a break. I waited until my mom and I were three bottles of wine into the night to suddenly ruin the vibe. I decided the route to go was casual, shocker. I mentioned that the reason why I was home was to check myself into a psychiatric facility. I had hoped the conversation would end there, but like any normal human, my mom asked why. I believe my exact words were, ah, I'm just feeling a bit suicidal. She probably drove me to the crisis center the next morning, quick and easy, no heart-to-hearts, no tears, just the way I like it. At the hospital, they took me back into a small, sterile room. The walls were entirely too white, and the fluorescents were enough to make anyone want to end their life. A nice faceless woman assessed me, asked me the dreaded, do you have any step-by-step plans to end your life? I responded, a few, but I have ADHD and a penchant for perfectionism, so we haven't quite landed on one yet. She didn't laugh. I put on my blue scrubs and was sent to what I will refer to as general holding. It was me and other women waiting to see where they would ship us. I asked for something to read. The literature I received was an obscure romance novel from the 80s, raunchy, poorly written, fantastically detailed, and authored by a woman with a name like Ramona Sinclair. I was just getting to the part where the brooding horse trainer ravishes the general's daughter when my name was called. I was put onto a gurney and shoved inside a small ambulette. The EMTs were kind as they rolled me into the entrance, asking what I did for work. I explained that I was an actor in New York City. I realized, as they cooed a condescending, wow, that I looked completely out of my fucking mind. I was restrained to a gurney in blue scrubs, hair wild being rolled into a psychiatric facility. They were being nice to the crazy lady who thought she was a Broadway stage actor. It was hilarious. I spent seven days at a wonderful inpatient facility. I was seen by real mental health care professionals who deal with the is this train going fast enough to kill me types on the daily i was safe finally not to mention i had time magazine's hottest male psychiatrist taking care of me and yes i know that hypersexuality is a symptom of my mental illness but dr wilkinson could have savagely taken me in my loose fit and blue scrubs right then and there Dr. Blow My Back Out Wilkinson explained to me in the most sensual way that I had borderline personality disorder, BPD, another fun letter combination to add to the books. He gave me a book titled I Hate You Don't Leave Me, which felt patronizing, but he was hot and I was desperate. My days were spent with a small group of men and women all over the age of 40, who treated me like a curiosity because I could not stop my onslaught of comedic bits but I was hell-bent on making sure everyone had a good time. We were in the low security block because we were nonviolent. I constantly joked that we were the A-team of the facility, varsity, if you will. It wasn't my best material, but it landed nearly every time. They brought in a woman to take us through a Tai Chi exercise one day. The up and the nurses had given me an hour ago suddenly hit me full force and I swear I could feel God. I've never been to a rave, but I imagine it felt something like seven mentally ill adults doing tai chi in scrubs while I was essentially stoned out of my ever-loving mind. In art therapy, we had to draw who we would be as superheroes. Me, being the overachiever, took the assignment literally and went full out. I drew a wonderful depiction of my superhero alter ego, the unextinguishable flame, a symbol for overcoming obstacles and suicide. Yes, I know it's inextinguishable, but you try remembering letters when your brain is swimming in benzodiazepines. I thought I nailed the assignment. Seriously, knocked it out of the park. I showed off my brilliant version of the assignment only to be met by my peers' takes. The Doobie Queen, Schizo-Fabulous, The Clap, Your Wife's Dream, and my personal favorite, Dirt. Everybody else saw the opportunity and took it. I, instead, chose to look like a pretentious asshole in front of all of my new friends. Awesome. It was like a sleepaway camp, but for adults who have hit rock bottom. Spending years surrounded by wealthy NYU students whose futures were painted bright with the colors of nepotism, Sonora Behavioral Center felt like coming home and being surrounded by people like me. People who were openly on fire. So am I still on fire? Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) That's not going away anytime soon. But being around others like me makes those flames a bit more bearable from time to time. People who receive my jokes with the laughter of familiarity and understanding rather than uncomfortable titters of people wondering, is she actually joking about that? I am, yeah, and I'll continue to do so. That's how I find my way through those moments of uncertainty when I can't tell up from down. Sharing my own truths through the lens of comedy with a community that understands me. And those awful scrubs under those bright fluorescent lights, all those moments brought me some peace. And I hope I can bring some of that peace to you.
0: Awareness Ties The Unextinguishable Flame was written and narrated by Olivia Cade, podcast intro track by Thavius Speck, episode soundtrack by Soul Rising. Thank you for listening to Aware Now. To read our magazine, watch our broadcast, or join our community, be sure to visit our website, awarenessties.us.